and welcome to another episode of Wedding Talk. I'm your host, Danielle Duffy. I hope everyone is enjoying what they've been listening to so far. In today's episode, I talked to Shani, who got married in November 2023 in Tasmania. I honestly learned so much from this conversation that I think will be really helpful for people who are planning their wedding. She had some great ideas about how to style and set up for your wedding and even how to plan the timing of your day. It's a bit of a long episode filled with lots of wisdom, so I'm going to keep my intro short and let her do all the talking. I'm really loving doing all of these episodes, so please leave a rating and review and follow the podcast if you're liking what you're hearing, as this will help me grow as a podcast and get the stories out to more people that are planning. Thank you and enjoy this episode. Hi, Shani. Thanks for being here with me today. How are you going? Good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, so to start off today, I just want to talk a little bit about you and your partner. Can you tell me a bit about yourselves? Yeah. So um, I first met my partner, Tate, um, about seven years ago now. Um, I was living in Melbourne at the time. Um, I currently live in Tassie now. And I used to live pretty much down the road from Tate. <laughs> Little to my knowledge. Um, so I used to work with his mum at a Pilates studio um, and I first met Tate when I came into a little bit of car issues. He happened to have a second car that he was trying to sell. So um, I actually wrote my car off about seven years ago and his mum pretty much offered me to use his car without him knowing um, to get around to work and um, where I needed to be. And so we kind of knew each other in passing, but we didn't actually really have anything to do with each other until then. So that kind of the conversation between us. Um, and then we obviously had to keep um, switching cars because he was trying to sell the one I was driving. And like, yeah, history is here. I owed him dinner and I was petrified to cook for him because he was working in hospitality at the time. So I pretty much took him out for dinner uh, like a couple of days after I borrowed his car and we are now married. I say to people, at least I didn't run into him. So yeah, that's so, that's so true. That's so funny. Okay. So tell me about your engagement. So when we um, had a weekend away in October of 22, uh, we had been to the place called The Cove, which is on like a coastal town in Devonport. Um, and it's really nice, like very private. Um, it's like built on a farm, these little cabins that have ocean views and it's like a big commercial communal area um, in the centre of the property. And we had been there previously back in January of that year. And I said to Tate, it's probably the most relaxed um, and present I had ever been in a place that we had gone away for the weekend. So the idea is at this place, like you, you can use your phone, but there's minimal people that can stay because there's not that many um, rooms available. There's no kids um, and there's just music playing, like calm music, like your coffee and chill style throughout the whole property. Um, and it was just so nice. And so when we went down again in October, we had a different room that had like a little bit better view. And um, I, there's a couple of walks there. And I said to him like, oh, you look a little like, you know, not settled, like you're right. And he's like, yeah, yeah, um, okay. Like we should go for a walk. And I was like, you know, I'll, I'll just pop off to the bathroom and then we'll go for a walk. And when I came out, he was down on one knee. And oh. <laughs> I feel so bad. I literally asked him, 
uh, if he was joking. Oh, no. <laughs> My first response was, are you joking? <laughs> and so, yeah, he said he was being serious. And to have a look at, he actually had a ring in his hand. Um, but I think because we had talked about marriage before and there's been a few moments in our relationship where he's got down on one knee and like joked around. Um, I think that's probably why my initial reaction was, are you joking? But um, yeah, so he was a little bit nervous, hence why he was a little bit unsettled. So we weren't going for a walk. He actually just wanted to get it over and done with at the beginning of the weekend so we could celebrate and he could just relax. (laughs) Over and done with, that's so funny. So then what I want to talk about is um, going into detail about the wedding planning process. And I want to start with talking about the budget because I think that's a really important part and it kind of highlights how to set up your entire wedding. So if you're comfortable, do you want to talk to me about your budget, if you had one, and then how you kind of decided to allocate money and spend money? Yeah. So originally we didn't really set out with an actual figure of a budget. We kind of went get the main vendor's Um, with their quotes and we kind of um, looked at what our options were and some of it was dictated by the price so for instance photography ranged from I think the cheapest we saw was about three thousand and the highest we saw was around eight thousand for similar services Um, and some of that came down to like whether it was one or two photographers if there was travel attached and then obviously we wanted to make sure that our photos that's what you're left with at the end of the day. Like the day is a bit of a blur. So um, we just wanted to make sure that we weren't skimping out on something that was going to be our forever keepsake and we could maybe save money on other areas of the wedding. So um, photography was a big thing. um, And for both of us, so was the catering. So been to a few weddings that we have thought that maybe there wasn't enough food or, um, like the food choices were a little bit um, not what we wanted personally. Maybe that's what um, the couple we wanted went to the wedding of was for. But for us, we had like our set intentions of how we wanted to have our wedding set out and that kind of dictated um, who the vendor was going to be. And we, I think, just accepted the price of that. Um, so with the budget, I kind of set out like, a few things that were non-negotiables that we weren't going to skimp out on. And to be honest, um, because uh, like I'm quite organized and started like after we got engaged, like a couple of days later, started the planning process because we didn't want a long engagement period. And a lot of um, vendors book out like two years in advance in Tassie because there's uh, less of them. So what was Um, on offer as well so people who got engaged the year before potentially had booked out our dates and things like that Um, and then we just kind of said like let's just start getting things booked in and we didn't really set a budget and as we went along we just kind of bought the things that we needed here and there with the idea that we'd probably resell a fair amount of what we could as well Mm. Um, but yeah that's sort of uh, in a nutshell kind of how we worked around the budget side of things. Yeah, that sounds so great. I really think that's a good idea, like going based on what you see, have seen in other weddings and what you liked and what you didn't like and kind of deciding from there how you want to set up your day. Because I think like, you know, planning your wedding, especially if it's your first wedding, you don't really know all of those different things. So you can see what works and what people respond really well to. Yeah. And the hardest thing for us, like I guess, like you said, if it's your first wedding, you have to try and coordinate so many vendors to be available on the exact same day. 
So like your photographer and your caterer might be available, but the wedding venue might not be and things like that. And that was probably something that we were really lucky with in that it all, like we only had one vendor, our original vendor that we inquired with um, was fully booked. And aside from that, everyone else that we contacted was actually available on the day that we wanted. So we pretty much got our first pick about 13 months out. So I feel like that was pretty lucky because I know like, I follow still vendors on Instagram and things like that, like an, a range of them. And they are like opening their books for 2025. It's like had inquiries for 2026. Like it's crazy that people are booking so far out now. So yeah, it kind of worked out really well for us. Yeah. I think it was one of those things that I was really naive about and I had no idea. Yeah. And I feel like you can cop a bit of criticism for it. Like, oh, you don't need to be that organized. And that's what I copped a lot of from other people was like, you've only just got engaged. Like you don't need to plan your whole wedding. And for being an organized person, it was always going to happen. But two, I think like you said, unless if you've been in the situation and have to coordinate so many people for the same day, the same time and everything like that, some people actually don't understand that it's not that easy. So and especially the more vendors you add, um, the harder it becomes. So you've got like, you know, you're hiring things, you've got your celebrants, your caterers, your photographers, your videographers, your makeup, your hair. Like there's a good two handfuls of vendors in that that they all have to be available. So I think if it was my advice to anyone, like I wouldn't delay um, even just getting inquiries, just to know where you stand because that's something that takes a lot of pressure off as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think like you said, you're in Tasmania, so there's probably less people available. Like I live in Geelong in Melbourne, so there's heaps of vendors and there's still that issue of everyone booking out really quickly. But like you're right, if you're in a small area or like a rural town, you're only limited to however many people there are. Correct, correct, yeah. Okay, so can you tell me a little bit about the location that you guys decided to choose? Yes, so... When we have had discussions about if we were to ever get married um, along our seven-year relationship, we always kind of said, like, where would you want to get married? And the ideas of, like, a wedding or a farm wedding were always thrown up. And my brother got married a few years ago on the beach, and so when it came to us, I was a bit like, you know what, let's do something different. And we actually have a family friend who has a farm out in um, Bridport, so near a coastal town, but it's on a farm and he's got heaps of acreage and he's got this old shearing shed that is very close to his house. And his son got married there, I think, about 10 years ago. And so it's the old original shearing shed that was functioning up until they got married pretty much. And they literally closed all the floorboards on the flooring. So where the sheep used to run around and everything like that. And they pretty much had this carcass that was just like a very rustic um, shed pretty much. And since then um, the owner has had a few weddings and with each wedding, you know, people leave a few bits and pieces behind that they don't want that they literally just have for um, the day and then don't need. So they pretty much donate it to them. Um, and we have a shack nearby, so it's about half an hour. And so Tate and I were down one summer at the beach and we kind of decided to pop in. And I said to Tate, like, this is perfect. This is rustic. This is us. Like we'd always kind of thought that that might be what we want to do. 
And it was sentimental to us in the sense that it was a family friends and we could create what we wanted. We weren't restricted by anyone's venue rules. And so the owner of the property had sort of like added on. So when his son originally got married there, they had to have portaloos and, you know, there wasn't a kitchen or a bar. And since then he's put in toilets and he's put in a little kitchen and a bar. And it was just like the perfect setup. And so once we kind of got engaged and, you know, we ruled out the beach wedding um, and we pretty much said, you know what, let's just see if they have that date available. And they did. So I think it was meant to be. Oh, that's fantastic. So then you basically started from scratch. How did you decide like what you were going to put in there like how and how you were going to style it? I had decided after we got engaged, I really liked the green theme and I thought it matched pretty well with like a rustic farm wedding. Um, green and terracotta were my kind of first picks. Um, and one of my good friends got married about 12, 18 months ago and her bridesmaids were in terracotta. So I kind of veered away from that just to be a little bit different. And I was kind of lucky because green, like we're going with a sage theme, sage was in. And so it was quite easy to find sage things. It wasn't um, like a really unique color um, that was hard to find. So then did you guys have to bring in stuff like tables and? Yeah. So um, Keith, the owner of the property, doesn't have tables pretty much because what I would want would be different to the next couple that get married in there, which will be different to the next person. Tate and I discussed, like, I think from a space-saving point of view in terms of maximising the most amount of dance floor space and just general space to move if it was hot, Um, we decided to go with long tables. So we pretty much had to hire our tables and chairs. um, And then we just used some tables that Keith already had there for the bridal table. And he had some older looking chairs that had a bit of character to them that we just kind of put seat covers over to make them white to match with the rest of our guest chairs. Um, But yeah, all our tables and chairs were hired and we bought um, all the wine glasses off another girl who got married and had like 150 guests as well. And then we've kind of bought bits and pieces along the way. So we ended up buying our own water glasses. Um, We repurposed um, the water bottles from a distillery. Um, So we repurposed them as water bottles on the table. And then um, our caterer bought our plates for us as well. So we kind of had a bit of a mix there. Oh, that sounds so great. So what kind of catering did you get? You said before that it was one of the big things you wanted to really focus on. So what did you decide on getting? Yeah, so we had, uh, so the first person we inquired with is pretty well known in town to be um, very niche, um, very good food, and they were booked out. So that kind of ruled them out straight away. It's just like one team, um, but they're always on point with their food. So we hadn't really thought of a backup plan. And that was when we kind of both were a bit like, okay, so things book out really quick and this is not something that we can be like, oh, we'll get to it. Like, so we had to do a bit of research pretty quick and we actually asked a few people um, like who they use. And we even asked um, Keith and Sally who own the farm because obviously they've had a few weddings, what other people do. So we got a few suggestions off them. Um, but then the issue was a lot of it was like food van style Um, And that's not something we wanted to do. We wanted to have a sit down meal, um, not takeaway style where you're standing around. We didn't want people lining up at food vans just for how we wanted our wedding. Um, And then we contacted someone that Tate used to work with in Melbourne and he came back with a price that was actually better 
and we like his foods and we knew we're in good hands because we know how he operates. So essentially we actually ended up doing a Victorian caterer, which actually was really fitting at the end of the day, considering Tate was born and raised in Victoria and I was obviously Tasmanian. So it was actually really nice. And it kind of, again, was a bit sentimental because it's someone that Tate actually really likes and has been part of his life as well. So we um, were actually really happy that he could end up doing it with his team. Oh yeah, that's really lucky. So then did the barn that you get married in have like a kitchen area or did he bring the food in or cook it somewhere else? Yeah, so the team that we had um, come, they had an Airbnb, but they pretty much did everything in Melbourne in terms of their prep work and everything like that. And so all they really needed to do was like the last minute heating up and anything that needed to be cooked that couldn't be troubled um, with, obviously, um, if it wasn't food quality safe sort of thing. Um, So, yeah, it was pretty like seamless. Um, And they were fantastic. They weren't just catering staff. They did so much more um than that and it took such a stress off so they actually we got married on a Saturday afternoon and they rocked up on sort of like a mid-Friday um because they caught the spirit over with their van so they could bring obviously all the food plates and everything and like once they rocked up it was just like such a handover of so many responsibilities that we didn't realize that we were probably carrying so they um we had set the tables up in line how we wanted them to we had taken a photo previously of how we wanted our table set up and they're like, yep, leave all the stuff. We'll set it up. Literally just show us how you want it. We'll do it. So they like folded napkins. They set out the glasses for everyone. They had high rises, which they brought so that the share plates were sitting a little higher. So everyone had space on the table. I had organized um, candles in glass sleeves. They set them all up. It was just amazing. And they, like we had put the tablecloths on the tables and they even came round and straightened them all up and the table runners, like it was just those little one percenters for us that like it was so professionally done that like, but it, nothing was like too hard. So we asked to have a champagne towel for when we walked in. Yep, no worries, done. Like anything else, what do you need? Like they ran our bar for us. We organized some signature cocktails. They had, you know, some of their staff as bar staff walking around and we were just going to get people to reuse their glasses. And they're like, no, nah, we washed them. So they washed them every single time. And it was just those extra little things that made our day, like just that like extra special that it was just everything that we wanted in the end. Yeah. So then is that part of like a package or did they just chuck that in? Cause you were friends. I don't actually know. I, I think to be <laughs> honest, um, well, like we've never inquired that. So I honestly think it's just how they operate because they want to be probably the best mm. um, and they run so many weddings. I just think that's their level of professionalism and I think there's a standard for the, um, the owner and I think everyone just is in line with that and they do such an amazing job and I I could not recommend them enough. Oh, cool. What was the company's name? It's called Unearth Collective. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. It sounds like such a like really well set up company and like you guys got so much out of it, which is what we want to hear. For the alcohol, did you guys have to provide your own drinks? Yes. So anything that we wanted had to be brought in. Um, So we actually got, um, so this is a great Tasmanian thing. Everyone knows everyone and everyone's somehow friends with someone. So the owner of the property, his daughter-in-law's, 
father owns a local bottle shop. So we actually supported local and it's like a celebration. So yeah, we got all our alcohol through them, except for there was a red wine we wanted, um, which was a Victorian one, which he unfortunately couldn't get for us. So we actually sourced that privately through the um, winery in Melbourne and just got it sent to our caterer and he brought down what we needed. Um, but yeah, we kind of, we had a bit of a hard time trying to pick um, selections because obviously there's what Tate and I like, but it's not just us. You've got all your guests to cater for as well. Um, and he was amazing. He literally gave us way more than what we needed and just said like, just bring back what you don't drink and just pay the balance. And so we were never in fear of running out. We've been to weddings before that you run out of alcohol or a certain style of alcohol runs out and then you're either forced to drink something else that you might not like or you stop drinking. And that was one of our big fears that we didn't want to have that happen. Um, and we certainly not anyone having to go and quickly go to the bottle shop to get more alcohol. So, um, yeah, he was great. So he gave us more and then when he actually rocked up on the Friday the day before our wedding he gave us more than that again and was like I've overkilled it but you won't run out and if you run out you're in trouble (laughs) I actually think um like Dan Murphy's does a similar thing where they like you can return the alcohol if you haven't opened it yet it's such a good yeah so I think it's if it's not damaged if it's something like wine obviously unopened I think beer if the box is still intact and things like that it's a really good option and I'd recommend definitely buying more because at weddings, people drink more than what they would when you go out for dinner. So, and you think like a wedding, some people allow, you know, a glass of champagne during the ceremony. Others are not till the ceremony finishes. But if you've got like a mid-morning, early afternoon ceremony and you're not getting rid of people till midnight, like it's a good, good chunk of time to drink. And I find with weddings too, a lot of people put drinks down and either forget about it or don't come back to it and end up getting a new one anyway. So you probably do go through a lot more than what you actually realize. Yeah, no, definitely. Okay, so talk to me about some of the fun, pretty things. I want to hear about the dress. Tell me about your dress. The dress. This was an interesting one. Um, So very limited with our dress shops in Tassie. So there (laughs) is, I think, maybe three in Launceston where I live. Um, I went to two shops. Um, the third one was more like custom design. And to be honest, I'd seen really nice dresses on Instagram. Um, but I find my body shape is really hard to match things too. So I've got a very short torso and I'm very small through the chest. Um, and I find dresses just don't fit me amazing if that is the focus point, because I literally have no, um, cleavage or anything to fill a dress out. Um, so I probably, and I've got like probably more muscular arms than a petite girl. So I was a bit not sure of what design, what style, how much um, bling or whatever to go for. So I went in to a shop and it was a really nice first experience of trying on dresses. I like, it was amazing. Like she was great in the sense that she just let me try on as many as I wanted. There was no limit. There was no time rush as people walked into the shop because it was just her there, um, you know, she just left me in the dress and was like, I'll be back, you know, take your time. Um, and I, I didn't feel any pressure to buy anything there and then. And that's what my big thing was. I'm not an impulsive buyer on things like um, jewellery, dresses, anything like that. I'm definitely someone that I'll go and look and then I'll come away. I'll talk myself into it. Then I'll talk myself out of it. 
And then I don't know what to do. And then I'll go and look again and probably repeat that process two to three more times. It drives Tate bonkers because he knows that when I discuss it with him, which obviously I couldn't discuss with him. So it was my mum and my mum is just as bad as I am. So we were looking at the photos together and it was like this little secret that we had. Um, and we're sending each other pictures backwards and forwards, but she didn't trust dad not to look. So, you know, it was a bit of a nightmare. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was my first experience. So I actually, I tried on a lot of different styles and was able to rule out some pretty quickly. Um, but the v- advice she gave me was amazing. Like of certain things that would suit my body shape, um, probably not to be going for a white dress to actually go for ivory. Um, based on the fact that if Tate was wearing a white shirt, I potentially could throw blue. It could look very stark and things like that. I'm quite pale. So there was all these little extra things that I had probably never considered. Um, and then I kind of just said to her, look, in my in my mind before I came in, I think these are the three things that I want in a dress. And I'm not sure if that's going to work, if it's going to already be on a dress or if I'm going to have to make something essentially. And those three things were I wanted an open back, and I wanted buttons and I wanted a train. And they were the only three things that I wanted on my dress. And I didn't care how the rest of it looked. If it had lace, if it didn't have lace, whatever. So I ruled out the A lines pretty quickly. So the puffier dresses, um, purely on the fact, number one was the heat. Um, and I knew I was getting married in a barn that had no air con. And I'm not someone that ho- uh, tolerates heat very well. So like if I'm really hot, I'm going to get crabby. And the last thing I wanted to do was have a dress on that I couldn't wait to get off. I didn't want to wish my day away. So I knew I needed to be comfortable, but I also wanted it to be obviously the dress of my dreams. So we did find one in my first fitting at the original place I went to that had the open back it had the buttons down and all the way down the back and it had a long train. And every dress that I tried on, mum was like, and how do you feel about this one? And I was like, yeah, but like the dress in Launceston, she's like, you keep going back to it. And I was like, yeah, I do. I think that's my dress. Mm. And so I went back and tried it on and they showed me what it would look like as best as they could, like fitted to me. And I said to mum, I just can't get this one out of my head. I said, I think this is the one. And I really thought I would have, and I think I was waiting for it, which probably maybe was why I had a bit of a struggle. Everyone says you try on your dress and you have that, this is the one moment when you, when you try it on, you'll know. And so I think that's why I kind of wasn't sure for a while, but I did keep coming back to it. So I think I did have that moment, but just in another way. Okay, so you mentioned that you decided on your colour. Did you go with the green for the girls? Yeah, so my situation was a little bit harder. So my maid of honour was actually trying for a baby, which I knew about before I had bought the dresses. So we had had the discussion of what should the dress need to be for you to feel comfortable in it? Like, does it need to have certain components to it? And obviously we were just thinking like in the back of our mind, we're also like, what happens if she doesn't fall pregnant and we buy like the next size up or we can sort of tailor that in? What happens if she falls pregnant straight away when you would be within the window of her delivering? Um, so unless if something went obviously drastically wrong. Um, so that was sort of a bit hard at the start to navigate what we we're working with. Um, and then she did fall pregnant um, quite quickly. So it meant that we kind of knew the end date and how far along she would be. Obviously, we just didn't know how big her bump was going to be. Um, so she actually bought just a green dress off. I think it was like Billy J and she's like, I actually think 
this one like fits me. And I was like, yeah, I really like it. And she's like, oh my God, thank God. She goes, I was really stressing because the greens were different. So they were actually olive. And the ones I had bought matched the napkins, matched Tate's suit, matched everything. And it was just coincidental that they had all perfectly matched. And I said to her, I don't care. I said, just, yep, that's fine. I'll organize another one for the other girl. I just want you to be comfortable and in the same green. At the end of the day, it won't matter if it's an olive and a sage. Tell me about your photographer. So our photographer um, is a local guy. It's just a one-man show. Um, And he had done a few weddings for people that we know. So we had seen his work firsthand. Um, And we kind of went through the websites of everyone first to see sort of um, portfolios and how they, because not everyone obviously takes pictures the same. Um, A lot of people these days throw filters on a lot of their pictures. We wanted to prioritize our photography, but we also weren't willing to pay like $8,000 for something that we could get maybe for $3,000. So we were mindful of the cost as well. Um, And the guy that we ended up going with, so a local guy, so we didn't really have to pay uh, like travel fee because a few people we did inquire from were from Hobart and there was a significant travel fee, but we actually got married 50 minutes out of Launceston. So we actually did cop a few travel charges along the way from other vendors. Um, but his kind of didn't really include that, which was nice. Um, and he was super happy to do, like we ended up doing a engagement shoot for free with him because he thought it actually made our both our jobs easier on the day because we knew what to expect. We knew how he worked. He got to meet us. We got a taste for what it was all about. Um, and it was just like so seamless. Like we could talk very comfortably backwards and forwards. And I think that's important when you've got someone who is capturing like the biggest event of your life pretty much um, or one of. Um, and that was something that we just felt really comfortable with him. And he was reasonably priced. Um, I didn't feel like it was like obviously photography, videography, all those things are going to be expensive. But in comparison to what we did look at for the same thing, he was very reasonable. So we ended up getting like his middle package. So it gave us like an extra hour of um, time with him and a photo book um, just to make sure we captured the whole day because, you know, things don't always go to plan. So in case if that was the case, we still got getting ready through to first dance cake cutting side of things. So did you get all your photos taken at the farm or did you guys go off site? No. So everything was on the property. So um, our first, a lot of photos we um, had were literally across the road from the, pro- um, like from the actual house in the shearing shed, um, still on the property. And then a bridal party literally walked back across the dirt road into the shearing shed and went into happy hour. And then Tate and I literally walked maybe um, 100 metres further down in the paddock and found a tree and he took a bunch of photos around the tree Um, and then later on in the night we came out and did some stuff on the hilltop and got some sunset photos in another paddock. He did drive us down just like so my, um, well, my dress did get dirty on the dirt road anyway, so I think it was more like an ease just to kind of get there a bit quicker, Um, but it was literally like down the hill, so um, which was really good and they were really happy too that there wasn't heaps of like as, um creators because we actually did end up getting a videographer as well um they were like there's so much opportunity here within the paddocks and because of the colors and things like that they had a few dams that had a lot to work with but they said they were quite happy to take us off site like near the beach and things like that if they needed to but they got some um really nice photos where we were so we were super happy yeah, did you guys send him like inspiration of what you wanted photos to look like or did he just come up with it? I literally showed him one and he's like, yep, 
like, and it was one he had taken himself of someone else's wedding. And I was like, this is sort of like what I want. And I think he, like, he definitely acknowledged it. But uh, at the same time, I was a bit like, you know what? You're the professional. You've done this like a million times. Like, off you go. Um, and we we were super stoked with our photos. Um, I was a little bit nervous in the sense that obviously you don't get to see them as he's taking them, like if you would change how you're standing or things like that. Um, but he's done an amazing job. Like we've got two hanging up and we're just going through some now to make into the photo book and things like that. But, yeah, we're really happy with our choice. Yeah. And so tell me a bit about the videographer. Videography wasn't something that we were going to get originally purely on the price. Um, and then we had seen a video of a few people's weddings pop up on Facebook after their special days. And I said to Tate, like, I knew based on people that we have spoken to, and obviously it's a common thing that everyone says when they get married, the day is a blur. It, it goes so quickly. It's over in five seconds. One thing that worried me of having only one photographer was that if he's focused on us, which is obviously his job because we're paying him to take our photos, um, we're going to miss the moments of the guests. And we will never get to see those again when we're having our moments, say, getting our photos or if we're sharing a moment within um, dinner, we're not going to necessarily get the experience of the guests as well. So after seeing a few videos um, pop up, I said to Tate, I actually think we should do it. And so I was really fortunate that my parents actually offered to pay for that for us because it was purely on the cost of adding on a few extra thousand why we didn't originally do it and I kind of went backwards and forwards of oh like we don't really need it like you know how many times do people sit down and watch their wedding videos and then I spoke to someone they're like oh I've watched it like 50 times like it's the best thing and you go back and see things you get to see yourselves you get to relive it it's a little bit different to photos you're in the moment and I said to take yeah done so then it was just like um searching up different people's videos looking at the prices and things like that again small town that actually knew each other through working like weddings together our videographer and photographer so two different companies um two solo people um and they were amazing that was so much fun on the day like that was just super chill. Um, but yeah, couldn't have picked better photographer and videographer. Tell me a little bit about your music choices. So I want to know about First Dance, you're walking down the aisle songs, um, anything special about the songs, all of those things. Since having done a few trips to America, we actually kind of really like some, like um, there's a few good country wedding songs out there, um, but we knew we'd cop some shit for that. So um, we did have a few songs that were sentimental to us, but they didn't quite fit like a wedding. Um, they were probably just not quite the right type of music to walk down the aisle to and things like that. So after going through a lot of songs, um, I kind of came up with them and Tate, Tate only really wanted to have a say in food and alcohol, um, possibly some music, but not really. And the rest he was like, you do whatever you want to. I'm happy. And so I pretty much picked the song. So um, I walked down the aisle with my dad to I'm With You by Vance Joy, um, which every time I listen to it before in the car or whatever to like, do I really like the song? Is this the one I'm going to walk down to? I feel myself like not get emotional, but I was like, I don't think I'm going to hold it together. Sure enough, on the day I didn't. Neither of us did. We're both bawling going <laughs> down the aisle. So that was a great start. Um, but we actually had a guy sing 
for us as well. But he wasn't going to sing during the ceremony. So he was only going to sing sets during like reception and happy hour. It was just a bit too hard for him to set up. So we had the ceremony in the garden and then the reception and happy hour like in the barn and outside the barn. So like a hundred meters away from each other, but from a logistical point of view, it's just a bit hard. So he played the music on the iPad for us, um, which helped as well. Cause I think there was a song in there. He actually didn't know anyway, which worked out well. So I'm with you by Vance Joy is what I walked down the aisle to. We also had magical by Ed Sheeran playing during the ceremony when we're signing our documents and then to walk out of the aisle, the best day of my life, I want to say. Oh, this is going to, Tate's going to kill me. <laughs> no, he's not. Yeah, I think that was it. Um, so we had like a bit more upbeat and that was something that um, our celebrant suggested was like you have a bit more of emotional song going down, you have some music while you're signing documents just to kind of fill the air and then it's happier to set the tone of how you want your reception to be on the way out. So that was really good advice from our celebrant. Yeah, that's good. And then did you guys, so you had the singer, so did he play it throughout the whole reception or did you guys have a um, like a, anything else going on? So we had him and he actually brought um, like a second person who kind of did a bit more percussion side of things and he was just like a, on a guitar and sang. Um, so he played sets throughout the night, but he played through happy hour for a set. So we had like two, three hours of happy hour cocktails, canapes outside. Um, and he played a little bit in there. Um, he played during dinner service and then he kind of got the party started as well at the end of the night. So he did three sets and when he wasn't playing, he just plugged his phone in and just had like background music, um, when they were eating and things like that. Um, which worked out really well. Um, for our first dance, we had Perfect by Ed Sheeran and he played that through the iPod as well. So I guess it was like the true song, which was really nice. Mm. Yeah, that sounds great. So then to finish up talking about the planning process, was there anything that kind of surprised you along the way? Obviously we spoke a bit about getting in really early with booking things in. Was there anything else that surprised you? Nothing comes to the top of my mind that kind of were curveballs or surprises. I think I kind of went in with the mentality and especially because leading up, especially like the week or two before the wedding, a lot of people said to me, something will probably go wrong. Like it's not going to be a perfect day. Like with no, like I'm not trying to scare me, but like, you know, if something goes wrong, don't stress. Like, you know, you'll laugh about it at the end of the day or in, you know, a year's time if it's a significant thing. But like, you know, not everything will always go to plan and that's okay. All the finer details, no one really knows if it's not what you wanted, only you will know. Um, so I think I kind of went through my wedding week, um, wedding day and everything like that thinking, you know, something will probably pop up that isn't what I planned and that's okay. Like I'd heard like some funny story, well, obviously not funny at the time when it happened to these people, but a few people had shared stories with me um, of things that had gone wrong. We laugh about it now. And I'm like, yeah, but imagine on the day, like that's so stressful. So I think I had that mentality is that maybe something might happen. Um, you know, think about all the people that have like yourself, COVID weddings and, you know, spanners like that thrown at you. Um, but in all honesty, nothing actually popped up. So Tate and I literally, aside from me actually stealing the speaker to take back to the Airbnb the night before for us girls to get ready with, which apparently was our backup music speaker, um, so when the when the musician actually stopped playing and said, I'm going home, 
that um, speaker that I had at our Airbnb was actually meant to be what kicked the party on. Um, but it wasn't a big deal, like, at the end of the day because most people were outside sitting around the fire pit anyway. So, but apart from that, like, literally nothing went wrong in our day. So very, very lucky. That's so lucky. So tell me a bit about the day. Like, how did you guys start the day? How did you organise a timeline? Tell me, like, reflect on the whole day. We had the ceremony time based on we didn't want to be too late in the day. Um, so we could maximize the amount of time that we got to be with our guests and obviously um, like allow for things to take a little bit longer than expected and whatnot. We were really fortunate in that our venue being private property, we didn't have a kick out time. We didn't have any restrictions in that regard. Um, so essentially we were dictated by whatever time we wanted the ceremony. So that's where we kind of started. No one said there was a right or wrong. So we kind of picked at 2.30 ceremony thinking that would be a nice time to not too early so that, you know, you've got people um, dragging to get to the end if we organised a bus at a particular time. Um, and we also didn't want it too early so that people who weren't staying the night before had enough time to get there. And a big thing on our ceremony time was if people were coming just for that one night, it allowed them to check into the Airbnbs or hotels and actually be able to get ready for the ceremony, which most places obviously let you check in at too. So from the ceremony time, we pretty much planned everything around that. So um, my, for me, it was um, being what time my hair and makeup needed to start and then that sort of set the start time for me. Tate literally didn't have any of that to worry about. So he was just going out to the farm, have a look around, make sure everything was okay. And then it was just a matter of him just chilling out with his groomsmen and just getting to the ceremony before the guests arrived and actually having some downtime before that. Um, so for me, I went for a walk with my girls. We had to go and pick up like a little platter box. We went and got a coffee. We walked back to the Airbnb and then like my mother-in-law and my mother and my dad had um, come over. So um, my mother-in-law was getting her hair and makeup done and then leaving with um, my makeup artists and things. The girls were really quick at getting us ready. So we did have a like a good hour where we were just ready but not dressed in our pyjamas. So we got some photos with the photographer and videographer. Um, and then, yeah, when they said, you know, we should probably start making our way, got into the dress and off we went. So headed to the wedding venue and then we had kind of roughly thought out how long we thought we wanted to do each kind of component of the wedding. So we roughly worked off half an hour ceremony-ish. Um, we went straight into family photos. And then whilst that was happening, we had a like a happy hour, but we kind of called it like happy hours um, mm. so that we could go and have our photos and still come back and enjoy that. So we didn't miss it. And it gave us a chance to mingle with our guests. So we didn't have so much pressure later on in the day. Um, and so we knew we wanted that for a couple of hours. And there was significant food or substantial food given out. Um, then we had a dinner at like 6-ish, 6.30, and then just kind of thought this was the logical order. We also had sunset photos, so we're kind of working between two um, timelines, so obviously getting ready ceremony and then sunset photos, and that's how we dictated cake cutting, first dance, and, you know, things took longer on the day. So I think we switched something at one point, like literally the photographer come up and he's like, sun's starting to set, we should go and get our photos. And we were about to go and cut the cake. So we just kind of said, oh, we'll just come back and do that. Like everyone was happy sitting there. So we just went off the two of us and had some photos and then came back. Yeah. So things like a couple of things were changed last minute on the fly, but it didn't matter because we weren't set by any schedule, which was really nice. 
Yeah. And I think that flexibility just kind of takes a lot of the stress out as well. Like you're not like, oh no, I need to do this right now. And um, like, it just makes the whole day run a lot easier. hundred percent. Yeah. I actually really like the consideration of people booking into Airbnbs and hotels for your start of your ceremony time. Like I would never have thought about that, but obviously it makes so much sense if you've got people that are like traveling in, like that's really Yeah. a good idea. I've been to a wedding that was like right on the cusp of being able to check in. So, and it was out of town. So I actually had to get ready at home and I had my hair curled and I had to try and drive like an hour and a half without like squishing my hair. I was in my dress and we literally like got the keys, checked in, dumped the bags and then drove to the wedding like side. And it just felt like we couldn't like settle and just relax, which is nothing that like we could kind of control, but also it was just like something, I guess that when you experience it yourself, there's more considerations you have for other people as well. Mm, yeah, but you're right. Like if you don't have time to check in after, obviously, because they go until late. So you're like, Yeah. Yeah. you're kind of stuck now. Okay, so let's talk about some of your favorite moments from the day. So nothing's gone wrong. Fantastic. What were some of the great parts of the day? When we set up our tables in the shearing shed, we had a bridal table sitting out the top, looking out at everyone and everyone was in long tables facing the other direction. Um, and one of the special moments I think was obviously weddings can be quite stressful and it's very busy in the lead up and that's something um, that maybe crept up a little bit more, even though I thought I was organised. It's all those last minute things that, you don't have that downtime. You've always got months and months ahead, but there's certain things you can't do to, until a certain period. And a special moment for me was actually sitting down during dinner and turning to Tate, looking at all our guests sitting there and actually having a good time. And it, it just felt like there was so much love in the room. Um, and I turned to Tate and I was like, this is just so special. And it's incredible to think that all these people in this room will never be in the same place at the same time ever again. Like there will be a reason why someone can't be here if we were to try and recreate this. And it was just really special to have that moment of looking at everyone else, enjoying what we had created and what we had envisioned. Um, and my second favorite moment of the night was after our first dance, we invited everyone else up to the dance floor and every single person of our wedding guests got up and danced. There was not one person left on a seat. Everyone got up. Um, and that was really special because I've never seen that happen before at a wedding. Um, and I think we either just shy or just on 70 guests. Um, and that was incredible. Like it was just so nice um, to have everyone get up, even if they weren't like dancers. Mm. Wow, that's so amazing. That would have been the most fun thing ever. Mm, that's that's so good. So was there anything that happened on the day that you like regretted, like anything that you organized that you're like, I shouldn't have done this or did anything bad happen? No, not really. Um, we did have a truck. So um, my dad's had a building company for a very long time that he bought off his dad and there was this old Chevy truck that we had seen other people use like utes on farms with hay bales and things for some really cool photos. And so Keith actually had this family Chevy down at his property and 
we be really special and sentimental to have some photos in that as well. So we chucked some hail bells into the back of the Chevy and we completely forgot about it sitting out in, like we parked it in a paddock right next to the shearing shed. And after we went and did like our um, bridal party photos and then a couple photos and then our sunset photos, we completely forgot about it because we're like, oh, yeah, we came in a different entry. And then it was until my dad walked up to me and was like, did you go and get photos of the Chevy because it's practically like dark now? And I was like, oh, no, like I didn't know. And so we rushed out um, and we actually got some really different photos to what we thought. Like they were cool. Um, but like the flash was on the camera. So like they were totally different to what I had expected them to be. Um, but that was probably just like something that I kind of wish I did in the day. Um, but it's one of those things, it's not make or break in my day. It was just one of those things that um, it, it slipped my mind, I guess, because there's so many other things going through your mind on the day of your wedding. Yeah, definitely. And like, there's, yeah, like you said, there's so many things happening and so many other things you have got to think about that it's like, easy to be done was there anything that you regret yeah. not getting um no I, I I really would have regretted not getting the videographer um mm-hmm. so I'm really glad we did make that decision earlier on in our planning process and could get one um because it was certainly like it's probably like six months out we made the decision so to get the one on the day like first go um was really good um, and he's incredible. Like he's, yeah, he was really good to work with. Um, apart from that, pretty much everything that we wanted, we made happen. So there was some, like, and we did a lot of DIY. So um, like I had seen stuff on Facebook marketplace and um, social media posts through like event planners and things like that. Um, and I was like, yeah, I, I really want that. That's cool. And then between dad and Tate, um, make it. So um, things like backdrop signages. Um, so dad cut them. I painted them. I hand stenciled our names on them and things like that. Tate made some lawn games. So he made Connect Four by hand, um, cornhole and things like that. So people had some things to do when we had happy hour. It wasn't just sitting down, drinking and eating. There was a bit of activity if they wanted it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did a lot ourselves. Did you have any like special elements or anything that you included in the day? So any like tributes or traditions or anything like that? We did and we didn't. So we had a no kids, um, like we had a child-free wedding essentially unless if they were capsule bound um, just for the sake of like we've been to weddings um, that have kids as well and it's a it's a lot for people parents particularly to run around after the kids and we just don't feel like they ever enjoy themselves um and from our perspective also like I've got um a niece and two nephews we just wanted the day selfish as it might sound to be about us um because I think like and you could probably appreciate this having children yourself your your kids kind of rule your life and they are the center of attention and everything like that as they should be. But it, for us, it was just like, we just want one day where it's about us. We, we can have the full attention of everyone, like my parents, my brother, my sister-in-law and things like that, where they can all enjoy themselves and not be like, where are the kids? What are they doing? Like, are they into anything? And we did have a few people that couldn't come because of the kids thing. 
Um, but at the end of the day, that was our like that that was just like our ground rule. So if they were capsule bound, they weren't on the move, we were happy to have them. Mm-hmm. It was the more so if they were on the move, it was the issue. So um, but in saying that, we did actually include my niece as a flower girl. So um after she did her sort of thing, she sat down with my side of the family and then she kind of went with the other grandma um for the rest of the night. And that was really nice to have yeah. her there yeah. and be part of it. But the other flip side for us was the numbers. So we worked out how many people had kids and I added on, I think, an extra table or two just to cater for the kids. And so that meant that for us, we didn't have the space then to have the dance floor space. And on top of that, then it's a whole nother element for catering as well. So um, if we had the kids, it was a different menu as well. So then the cost went up. So there was a few different factors why we didn't add them in essentially. Yeah, and that's a really good idea. That all sounds really great. Let's just finish up here and talk about is there any, do you have any advice for future wedding planners? So you said a little bit before about just kind of leaning into the day and accepting that you might have things go wrong. Do you have anything else that you'd recommend for people either on the day or in the planning process or anything like that? Yeah, so my number one piece of advice would be get organised and have an idea roughly of what you want to do earlier on in the piece. So you can coordinate as many vendors for the same day earlier on and once they're all locked in, everything else kind of falls in place. So you can't make too many decisions about certain things until certain, say, venues or vendors are booked in because they might not be, um, like, say, if it's a a venue issue, you might not be able to have over a certain amount of guests and things like that. Or you might require a wedding planner if you have over 50 guests for some venues, which I know is a rule. So if you can lock all your vendors as quick as you can, then it's sort of one, a stress aside, but also, you know, kind of what you need to do from there sort of all unfolds. Um, The second piece of advice I would give, which was given to me a lot, which is actually a lot harder to do than I thought, is delegate. Um, delegate the tasks that you don't need to take on and that are easy. Um, Easier said than done. I found it really hard in the fact that even for me to delegate to Tate, I had the vision of a lot of things and I had to tell him what it was. And there were a few things that he did and I was like, no, that's not how I imagined it to be. Like, can we change it to this, this and this? And he's like, oh, sorry. Like, I didn't actually realise that was what the vision was. Like, So there was a bit of like, backwards and forwards with some things. And sometimes I found it was easy just to do it myself as opposed to try and delegate, explain, it's wrong, do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, so if there are simple tasks, delegate them, especially day of things as well. So like I delegated to my dad because he had time to kill and I was getting ready and he didn't need to be there, which were things like lining the aisle with rose petals and putting out some cups for water during the ceremony for when it was warmer. Um, little things like that and have a list. Um list of day of things as well. So things like cotton and needle, um, anything like that, scissors, um, a piece of advice that was given to me from the bridal shop as well, because my dress had a lot of um, buttons, was to take a crochet hook. And it saved us because my mum couldn't actually get my um, hooks over my buttons because they're brand new and hadn't stretched. Um, so she had to crochet hook me into my dress, um, which actually... Tate had to crochet hook me out of my dress because he couldn't undo them either. So um, little things like that um, and talk to people about like their experiences and their suggestions because 
you'll always learn something from someone else's day and what they would change or do differently as well. That's amazing. There's so many like really, really helpful things. I just got a lot out of that entire conversation. I think that there's so many things that, you know, you just, when you see a second, when you hear someone else's perspective, you learn so much from, and that was a really helpful conversation. I feel like, yeah, I really got a lot out of it, even though, you know, past wedding, I still feel like there's so many things you can learn about all the, all of this and how to run. Your and I, I think it depends on your, I think it depends on your setting as well. Like if I was to have a wedding at um, say a winery that was set up to have receptions in their restaurant and things like that, it'd be a completely different process of things. And you'd put your money allocation to different elements and maybe splurge on something else because other things are taken care of. So, um, but for us, like a farm wedding on a, a private property that are friends of ours, like everything came in and everything went out and it was just a lot easier to try and do things that were local and things like that. So I think you'll learn a lot from people that have similar weddings because you can't necessarily replicate people's advice in different venues or destination weddings versus local weddings and things like that. It's yeah. Got to be relevant to you. Yeah. And I think that's like what I'm really trying to get at with this podcast is just to learn as much as you can from all the different styles and you can kind of take what you want, but yeah, like you said, like a winery wedding is going to be completely different to how you set up your wedding. And then if you go like Mm. industrial again, so it's really good to kind of find out how people have done similar things to you and learn like what went wrong and what was really good and how to kind of help them in the future. Yeah, hundred percent. Thank you so much for your time. I've really enjoyed talking to you about this. Um, yeah, thank just having thank me. you so much. Thanks for listening to that episode with Shani. I really enjoyed talking to her about her whole wedding planning experience. And I think there's some really good little takeaways. I loved what she said at the end about how listening to other people and talking to other people is what helped her find out how to kind of run and organize her wedding. And that is essentially the whole point of this podcast is about hearing other people's successes, what went wrong and how we can learn from that and change things around. It's actually really fun to be editing and listening to this podcast again Um, because I'm currently on holidays in Tasmania for my cousin's wedding. So it's really nice getting to like visit some of the spots and go to the places that she's talking about. That's been a really nice little experience for me. Thank you again for listening. If you're enjoying this episode, just another friendly reminding to leave a little review or a rating and follow along um, and tell your friends about the podcast um, because this is how we're going to get the word out and I'm going to get more brides and stuff on it. Also, if you are a vendor and you would like to have a episode yourself, I'm going to start doing the little bonus vendor episodes. So if you are interested in being in an episode, please get in touch. You can find me on Instagram at weddingtalk.podcast or you can go onto my website at www.wedding.podcast.com. Thank you. Bye.